to Let's Bloom Podcast with Josie. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that everyone is here listening and getting ready for God's Word. I do just want to quickly say that I am experiencing some throat pain, um, so hopefully I don't sound too weird on the um, on the phone. But, you know, this podcast needs to get out there and um, this message needs to be put out there as well for people to listen and learn from. So here we are. Just go with the voice. (laughs) Hopefully it's not that excruciating. So today we're actually going to be in the book of John um, chapter 4 starting right at verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, I would love if you turn there with me. Um, Again, it's John chapter 4, starting right at verse 1. And if you're taking notes today, then you can see by the title that this is called, Which Well Are You Pulling Your Life From? The Well of the World or the Well of the Kingdom of God? And you'll understand that title more as we go through this message. But Before we get into that, I just want to quickly say a prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this platform. God, I pray that you would just touch everyone that's listening on the other side of the speaker. God, I pray that you would use this message to stir something within their hearts. God, I pray that they would learn something and I pray that their presence would be known, made known with them. God, thank you for this ability to share your word through technology. God, it's such a blessing. And Lord, I just ask that you would use me as a vessel and let the words that come out of my mouth be yours and not mine, God. I just pray that whatever direction this goes in, that it's going to be yours. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, let's get right into this message. So um, we are at John chapter 4, starting right at verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. He left Judah and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So I want to quickly stop there at it was about the sixth hour. And whenever I was first reading this passage, I was kind of like, uh, okay, like, why is that important? That's kind of random to put it was about the sixth hour. But as we all know, the scripture holds so much information and every bit of that information is important, just like it is about the sixth hour. So um, at this time, the sixth hour is about noon time. whenever this is about to take place. And I think that's something that is going to help set up what is about to happen here in Samaria. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. So this is another thing that I think is important to grab a hold of. So it is a woman coming to draw water at this well. At noontime, right? It's the hottest time of the day. And also in this time, the women never went alone to get water. They usually went in groups in the morning. So as we can see, this is kind of the first encounter that something is happening that's not typical, right? This is like a unique day. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dwelling, no dealings with Samaritans. So this is, again, a second time we see something that's unusual, right? It's not typical for a day in Samaria. Usually, Jews and Samarian people, especially women, don't communicate, right? But in this case, we can see that uh, Jesus asked for a drink. So just note that this is, again, setting up something that is going to be cool. It's not going to be a typical day for this woman. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So with this statement, I think it's really cool how Jesus really drew her in and activated a conversation. And this conversation is actually going to bring up many questions within this woman, right? She might be curious about the things of God. She might be curious about who Jesus is and curious about what he can do for her. I think it's also important that Jesus says that he can give her living water. And the woman might be thinking, oh, okay, like I need some water, some natural, actual living water, right? For my bucket so I can take it back to wherever she's from. But we can see that the living water that Jesus is talking about is actually spiritual water. And I kind of want to go more in depth about what spiritual water is, what this living water is, right? So in John chapter 7, verse 38, it says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So this rivers of living water is representing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? So um, to do this, to have this outpouring, we have to first believe in Jesus and we have to ask for it. This is a free gift. How cool is it that we have the ability as believers to tap into this gift, to experience this gift of the Holy Ghost, I don't think that many people know what that is or what the difference is between a water baptism of repentance compared to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to touch on this topic because many churches leave it out and the Holy Spirit is just as important and is just as talked about in the Bible as everything else. So if we can actually turn to Acts chapter 19... Let me just turn there real quick. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and do that. If not, don't worry, I'm going to read it too. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 2. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So as we can see that this Holy Spirit is not heard of. It's unfamiliar to them. It's kind of crazy to think that Thousands of years ago, whenever this Bible was written, when the scripture was written, that people didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. And people today still don't know what it is. Or they might have heard of it, and they're a little scared of it. They're frightened by it. But I'm here to tell you today that it's nothing to be scared of. It's actually something beautiful that God has freely gifted us. And we are able to receive it if we just ask him for it. If we just ask for the outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
And as Christians, we have that authority to receive both baptisms. You know, the Bible is true. Every We know that the Bible is true, right? That's what we believe. That's our belief system. So that also means that the Holy Spirit is true. In John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to you repentance of all things I have said to you. So I put this verse in here because I think it's important to know really what the Holy Spirit is, right? If it's so important, we should probably talk about exactly what it is and how it became. So when Jesus was here on earth, right, people could run up to him, learn from him, learn from his teachings, ask him questions. But today, we're not able to do that. So when Jesus left this earth, he went up to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit down to guide us and to have inside of us, right? And I think it's important to talk about how the Holy Spirit's never going to leave us, just as we know God is never going to leave us, right? I don't know if you've heard of the Trinity, but the Trinity is... Is best described here in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. Will, yeah, be with you all. So this is the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as three persons in one Godhead. So I like to describe it as water, right? Water can come in multiple different forms, such as a solid, a liquid, and a gas. So even though these come in different forms and they have different, um, I guess, purposes, they have different functions, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are the same way. They are all God, right? They're all Christianity. That's all of our beliefs. And it's just the same as water. It just comes in different forms, and it's um, we're able to learn from all of them, Right? So just as we know that God will never leave us or forsake us, neither will the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 17, this is the amplified version, just because I think it really um, talks a little bit more in detail about this. It says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains in you continually and will be with you. So those of those those of this world cannot receive the Holy Spirit, right? They just don't understand it. Just as in John chapter 14, 17, the scripture I just read, they cannot receive it. They can't take it to heart because they don't see him and they don't know him. They don't understand it. That's simply what it is. They just don't understand it. Sorry about that noise. Um, my dog is sleeping and I don't know what she was doing, but it was loud. So I just want to apologize for that. Anyway, um, we have to make sure that we have the heart to receive the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is not something that we can physically see, but it we know it's there. It's just like faith. It's invisible and it's something in the Spirit. Something also that's important about the Holy Spirit is that we have to learn to listen to it and let it guide us and shape us and help us grow to be a better Christian. All right, let's turn back to John chapter 4, and we are now in verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? So what Jesus is offering isn't something that we can get in the natural, right? It's not something that our flesh can grab a hold of. 
But if you remember how big of a God we serve, we can know, or we do know, that our lives are spiritual. Everything is spiritual, including this living water that Jesus is talking about. And I wanted to just touch on this amazing verse, um, Ephesians 6, 12, where we know we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness, <coughs> excuse me, in the heavenly places. So we as believers in Christ have been born again, right? We are transformed by the blood of Jesus and we're able to see things more clearly more true. We're able to see that when we have a situation, a conflict, it's not necessarily the person, right? It's a demon or it's an attack, right? Everything is spiritual. And when you see that everything is spiritual, it just opens your eyes so much wider and you're able to assess it. And it actually kind of brings you more peace because you know, I can serve a God that's already won, that's already won the battle over him. And he's just trying to get in my head, you know, whatever the case may be. So just having that awareness that everything is spiritual is super important, especially in the young adult age, right? Because we're surrounded by so many temptations, so many things. But if we remember that everything is spiritual and we rely and we lean into the big God we serve, then we're going to be okay. We're going to make it out alive, right? We're going to be okay. So I want to talk talk about Romans 12 chapter 2 right this is in a very common verse I feel like and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God so instead of living by our emotions or what we see we can stand on the promises of God and the truth that is written in the scripture Everything that we need to live, every decision that we have to make, we can go into the scripture and find an answer. And if we find an answer in this book, then we know that we're going to be okay. We know the outcome, right? Because we know what the Bible says and we know that it's true and we can stand on that promise regarding anything that's happening in our lives. You know, there has been a veil that has been lifted off of our eyes. If you have been saved, you know that this is true and you can see it for yourself. But when you have that veil of your eyes, you kind of, you think, oh, I'm fine, right? I'm living, I'm okay. But you don't know the feeling of God. You don't know whenever God takes things out of your life until it happens to you, until you experience it. And if you know God's word, you know the power and the victory that we have over the devil, which I already kind of talked on. The best way to overcome your battles is to pray and to get in the Bible, right? Stand on his promises because his promises never change. His covenants never break, right? It kind of just makes me, it doesn't kind of, it does make me sad. It really, um, like I just want people to experience the Jesus that I know, right? To experience that life with him and I don't know if people realize that the life that they're living in if they're not a Christian if they don't believe if they haven't sacrificed then they're living in a life that they're just getting beaten down with lies and pain but we as a group of believers especially the young adults 
we're the ones that have to rise up and go to the lost and get them curious about what God is or who God is and what he can do for you. So just as Jesus did to this woman at the well, he, um, he drew her into a conversation and started questioning her many things. And in verse 11, when it talks about, or she says, where then do you get that living water? She's asking. She's curious. She wants to know more, right? People are hungry out there. The lost are hungry and they just don't know where to find it. They're looking everywhere except God. They're looking everywhere except the Bible for answers. But we know the truth and we have to be the ones to go and tell them the good news. I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself on my notes, but it's really true. It's what we are called to do. All believers are called to bring in the lost. Even if you're not in ministry, maybe you're in business, maybe you're in nursing, maybe you're um, working, I don't know, at the oil and gas field or the coal mine. Like It doesn't matter what field you work, wherever God's placed you, but we all have the great commission to win souls, to uh, spread the good news, right? Wherever we are, we are able and we are supposed to do that. Oh. Romans ten fourteen says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So again, this just goes back to what I was just saying. Like, how are people in our generation going to know if we aren't the ones going and talking to them? We have to make sure that we are bold and we are strong in Christ, that we are able to step out of our comfort zones and go to those people, spark up those conversations with the lost. So just as this woman was seeking an answer and is curious about what Jesus has to say, other people are curious and they're seeking something of the unknown. All right, back to John verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Whew. So Jesus here is making it very clear that everyone has a thirst for water. Everyone longs to fulfill a void in their heart. More specifically, people know that there is something there to seek for supernaturally. For guidance. And if they're not going to get it from God, they're going to go somewhere else to find it. They might try witchcraft, astrology, psychics, drugs and alcohol, partying, sex. They might experiment with different genders. They might uh, get addicted to pornography. You, The list goes on and on and on. And I think it's really important that people our age stray away from those things, right? Because the devil's going to try and grab a hold of you and get you away from God and say, oh, this thing is better. This stuff is going to fulfill you. This is going to make you happy. But really, it's not. It's going to drain you. It's going to push you down. So to, only, to fulfill that void in your heart, the only way you can fulfill it is through Jesus. It's really common for people to try and satisfy this God-created inner thirst through many things except what Jesus can give. I like that. I really like that it's common for people to try and satisfy their God-created inner thirst. We were all created 
as the image of Christ. God knows every single hair on your head. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through right now. And he knows how far you can go. He knows what you're capable of. Because he put that inside of you. He put that thirst, that God created thirst inside of you. He wants you to come running to him. He wants you to go and find a relationship with him. Right? People want things. They long for it. They search and they reach. But really only Jesus can satisfy that deepest level of a man's soul and spirit. And if you are thirsty and you're finding satisfaction in other things that aren't godly or aren't Jesus, right? You're going to fall down that road of destruction, You know, there's so many lies that the enemy is going to try and tell you and try and get in your head, right? You might start suffering from depression, anxiety, high stress. You might feel alone or left out, which can also lead to suicidal thoughts or attempts. Like these things are real. People actually go through these things. It really hurts my heart because you don't have to live that way. You don't. Jesus doesn't want that for you. He wants to provide you the best water and he already has. You just have to go out and reach it. So the water from the well of the kingdom of God is water that's going to lead you to eternal life and joy. You know, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you just try and give Jesus a shot and just see how much better life is with him by your side? Because I know I personally can promise you That you're never going to turn back. You will see a change in your life, in your situation, in the people around you, in yourself, right? People are going to notice that change. And it's okay that there's a change. God tells us that we're going to be transformed and born again. Which, hence, is change. So this effect of water is doing more than simply satisfying the thirsty one who drinks it. It's also going to create something good. It's life-giving in the heart of someone who drinks it, right? It becomes a fountain of living, of, yeah, of water springing into everlasting life. It's becoming in you. It's going to be in your soul. So once we accept Jesus and we start drinking from his water, we are made new. In 2 Chronicles 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want you to get a hold of that. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. So it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what your family life was like. It doesn't matter the decisions you made. You might even be sinning right now, but if you give your life to Jesus, all of those things are going to be passed away. And he's going to create something new with inside of you. He's going to start altering you. He's going to start changing you. And you're going to see a difference in yourself. You're going to see how much happier, happier, oh my gosh, happier you are. And it's just going to be an, a rolling stone, right? It's just going to be the snowball effect. You're going to just continue to be hungry and thirsty for him. And he's going to provide you what you need. And you're going to be asking for more. And you're going to be like, more God, more God. I want to experience more. I want to do more for you, God. It's just this amazing snowball effect. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. I hope that you guys are getting a hold of this because I think it's so important, especially for people in this young adult age, right? 
even if you're in high school, if you're in college listening to this, even if you're not in that age range, I think it's really important to get a hold of this no matter what situation you're in. (sighs) All right, let's get back to John. Starting at verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. It is that you spoke truly. So this little section in John I think is really cool because it's touching on salvation. We can see that before Jesus can give this woman the everlasting life, the living water that she has asked for, he first wants to ask about her husband. Jesus already knows what's going on in her life, right? He already knows her sin. He already knows what she's been through. But the point of this is, Jesus asks because she wants the woman to recognize that sin and ask for forgiveness. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, this is the Amplified Classic version. So it's a little lengthy, but I think it's really cool because this is salvation. This is what becoming saved is all about and how you can do that. So let's just read through this real quick. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord... And in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with this heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God, and with the mouth he confesses, declares openly, and speaks out freely his faith, and confirms his salvation. So, again, in this case, Jesus is uh, promoting salvation. This is a perfect example of it. So this woman has to decide what she loves more. If she loves her sin or the Messiah, the living water that he speaks of, or her past and her pain. So I want to ask you the question today. What do you love more? Do you love your past? Do you love your sin, your trauma, your sickness? Or do you love Jesus? Do you love the kingdom of God? Do you love what Jesus can do for you? Are you really willing to drop the ways of the world and follow him? Are you able to resist your flesh, your earthly desires, and carry out the way of the kingdom of God? Are you willing to drink from the living water? Just sit on that for a little bit. Are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to take that leap of faith? To step out and be bold and fully trust that Jesus is going to do something within your life. Do something for you. Heal you. Make you a better person. Fill you with joy that nobody, nothing in the world can give you. It's just an amazing joy. Happiness. You'll know your purpose. Right? You'll have plans and you just trust God that he's going to provide you with everything you need. Are you willing to see what that can happen? If that can happen for you? I already told you that I know it's going to happen. But are you willing to step out and see if it's going to happen for you? Are you going to have faith? Will you drop the gossip, the drama, 
the pettiness, feeling sorry for yourself. Because that's not doing you any good, right? It's not. So drop it. Just drop it. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus and he's going to take it all away and it's going to be forgotten and new things are going to come and be created. Amen? Verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we worship. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Sorry. My throat's kind of like all wonky. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such, such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell, all, tell us all things. So I want to quickly stop there before this last um, verse in this section. So the verse 19 to 25, this section is really just focusing on Jesus telling this woman that worship's going to start looking different for her. If she gives her life to Christ, this worship is going to be personal. Before... Jesus knew about Christ before this woman knew about the Messiah what she was worshiping was a false idol she didn't even know what she was worshiping right she was just doing it because everyone else was doing it I want to quickly note how many people today are doing things of the world for example in college how many people are changing their pronouns how many people are getting offended by things that they wear. How many people think they have to party and wear like the tiniest clothes in the world because that's what the world is saying is okay? How many people do you think fall into this like peer pressure in a way and they only do it because they just, they don't know any different. Like they don't even really know why they're doing it. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know why they're doing it. They're just doing it because everyone else is. So just as the woman in this scripture doesn't know what she is, um, what she's worshiping, God is here to tell you that things are going to change if you turn your life to Jesus. Things are going to alter. You're going to know what you're worshiping. You're going to know the truth. You're going to have that veil lifted off your eyes. And you're going to see the world as it is. So if you're here today and you know in in your heart, you're like, oh, that's me. Like, I'm doing this and I don't even want to do it. But I feel like I have to because my friends are doing it. You don't have to do it anymore. You can ask God. Talk to God, right? Just tell him. Be like, God, like, I, I... and I can't even give you an example because it's, it's going to be something personal. And that's what God is here to tell us today. That things are going to change. Things are going to become personal between you and God. And that's how he intended it. 
And I think that's just such a beautiful thing. So in this, just in this scripture, right, the woman now has been saved and she's going to serve the Lord Almighty. And this is going to be something new and exciting. Again, we're going back to that old things have passed away. New things are being created. Again, take that step. Start saying, you know, I don't think I'm going to go to that party. You know, I don't think I'm going to smoke. Maybe I should stay home and figure some things out. AKA, get on your knees and talk to Jesus. Take that leap of faith. Whew, I keep getting way off my notes, but I think that's a good thing, right? The Lord is just speaking to one of you today, and I really hope that you're taking that in. I really hope you're getting a hold of it. And finally, verse 26, Jesus said to her, I am, oh, I already messed up. <laughs> I who speak to you am he. So although this woman was a sinner, Jesus still revealed himself to her and he wants to help her. That's the amazing thing about Jesus is that he reveals himself to sinners. He reveals himself to the lost. That's who he focuses on, right? I just think that's so cool, right? The Bible tells us that whenever one sinner becomes saved, the whole, all the angels in heaven, the whole kingdom, they rejoice just for one. You could be one of those people today if you give your life to Christ. And everyone is going to be so joyful because of your decision. Because we know that your life's about to change for the better. So to those who are pulling their life from the kingdom of God should be focused on reaching the lost, right? I think most of them are. You know, we have to make sure we're reaching those who might look different than us. They might live differently than us. They might go to a different school. They might have different interests. It doesn't matter. We have to make sure that we are going to those people. We have to touch and go to those people who are struggling. And we have to give them the good news of Jesus Christ. So we as a group of young adult Christians, or if you're listening today, and again, you're not a young adult, that's okay too. We all as believers need to be honing in on those sinners. We have to spark up that conversation. Tell them what Jesus can do for him or her right? So the water of the well of the world is going to bring you thirst, never ending thirst. It's going to bring you confusion and despair. But the water from the well of the kingdom of God brings life and fulfillment. And it all comes down to your choice, to our choice, right? Are you willing to change up routine? Are you willing to change your life? Step out into faith. Be bold. Step into the anointing that God has called you into. Step into the calling that he has placed upon your life. It's your choice. So I'm just going to leave you today with a question. Of which well are you going to pull from? Starting today, what well are you going to pull your life out of? Are you going to continue to pull it out of the world? 
or are you going to pull it from the kingdom of God, the never-ending, everlasting love of Jesus Christ? guys so much for listening to this week's podcast if you enjoyed it you should definitely follow the podcast and send it to someone who might need to hear this send it to someone who might be a little lost and confused and be, might be pulling from the well of the world i just pray that this week you guys are just protected and that you have guidance and that you are just filled with his love and his presence I can't wait to see you guys next week for a brand new message. I love you guys. Have a blessed week. Bye.